Um, and I and I think that that is a testament to the way that we as an employer group are going to treat our employees. You know, we care about you because we need you for sure to help us, you know, achieve our goals as a business, but that doesn't separate us from you as an individual and what your goals are and what you want to accomplish and where you see your life going. Welcome to the Attraction Pros Podcast, where we discuss the latest trends and challenges facing the attractions industry today. We chat with some of the top leaders in the field and provide resources that will help develop your career in this great industry. I am Josh Liebman. I am obsessed with the guest experience and helping attractions make that their top priority for success. And I'm Matt Heller. I am passionate about organizational effectiveness, leadership development, and employee engagement. Now sit upright, hold on tight, and get ready for the Attraction Pros Podcast. Hey, Josh, how are you? Hey, Matt, I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. Really, fantastic. we chopped that one up there. A little bit, you know, again, got to keep it fresh. Got to keep it fresh. Like a sprinkler head. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that angle, but uh, sure, why not? Let's go with it. Um, so I got a question for you. All right. So you and I and other groups that we've pulled into this conversation have been comparing two important areas of the attraction business. Do you remember, remember what those those two areas are? Is it corn dogs and funnel cakes? Almost. <laughs> Almost. Is it the guest experience and the employee experience? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. What do those two experiences have in common? What's one well, thing? Based on based on the vast amount of research that we have done, and by that, podcast interviews and yes. just us <laughs> chatting at length, uh, we've determined that they're really the same thing. The facets that go into delivering one of them can be duplicated almost identically into the other uh, with similar outcomes. Absolutely. And it's because we're dealing with human beings, right? We're dealing mm. with people at the end of the day. And if there's one phrase that I could use to kind of sum up the conversation that we had with our guest today, it's take care of people, whether it's on the guest side or the employee side. Mm, that's uh, that's good advice. That's a good takeaway. Yeah. Yeah. So our guest today is Sarah Worrell, who is the GM of Kentucky Kingdom, and uh, she gets to tell us all about the different places she's worked, um, kind of her philosophy around taking care of people, where that came from. Uh, she's got some great stories in the industry, and we find out that you and her worked at the same place. And we did not know it until <laughs> just now. So yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert, when that comes up in the interview, you'll hear a little bit of very, very authentic surprise happening on on, on all accounts. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, fantastic conversation that we had with Sarah. I so about a year and a half or so ago, uh, or right around a year and a half ago, uh, Hershen Family Entertainment acquired Kentucky Kingdom, and uh, with that, we've been able to really learn what it's been like to. Uh, kind of infuse the brand and the culture of Hershend, which has a very unique, very well-defined culture to it, very successful as well, uh, into Kentucky Kingdom uh, and, and learn about, you know, Hershend's philosophy as well. So leading with love is a, a very big topic 
uh, that uh, that when it comes to managing the guest experience and managing the employee experience. And so Sarah is able to, to share some amazing insight into that. Uh, and, and really, we, we talk a lot about, because she has a, a background in HR, we're able to talk about recruitment, retention, developing employees, and very much the people side of the business, which really goes back to, uh, to your biggest takeaway, which I would say is probably mine too. And I'm guessing probably a lot of people who are, who are listening and watching to this, which is really take care of your people. Absolutely. So why don't we take care of our listeners and, uh, and let them stop listening to us so they can hear Sarah. That's a good idea. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the Attraction Pros podcast. We're so excited for our chat today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much. Really excited to be here today. Excellent. Excellent. So uh, to kick this off, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us a, a quick overview and background and uh, tell us about your career. Absolutely. So currently I am the general manager at Kentucky Kingdom. Um, I have been a part of Hershen Family Entertainment for a little over 10 years. I got my start with them in Denver, Colorado at Elitch Gardens when they had the contract there to run that park. Um, and then prior to that, I actually worked for Six Flags for a little bit. I worked at Hard Rock Park in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and I started my career with Paramount Parks. Um, so I worked at Kings Island. That was my first job. I was uh, guessing people's ages, weights, and birth months for about two years and then did the supervisor, area manager, um, and then full-time manager uh, trek and also spent uh, three years working for Paramount at California's Great Adventure or Great America, California's Great America as well. So did we know each other at Hard Rock Park? What did you do there? I was in games. I don't know. Did you work at Hard Rock Park? Yeah, I was. I was in operations. I was. Uh, I was an attraction supervisor. How do I not remember that? That is know. crazy. Because Rick and I have been friends for like ever. He and I worked together in California. That That's is okay, that is wild, Josh. I am so sorry. <laughs> I did not realize that. <laughs> I'm sorry too. I didn't realize that as well. But here we, are. we probably <laughs> did know one another. <laughs> That is so funny. Small world, uh, as it we is. say, a lot. big industry, but small world. Um, so I figured, Sarah, when you mentioned that, I'm like, okay, Josh is going to tag onto this and I'm just going to just sit back and let you guys talk about hard rock. <laughs> it was a crazy time. So never, I, I would never change it for anything, but it was a crazy time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've, I've heard Josh's um, experience there. I'd love to kind of go down that road, if you wouldn't mind, just talking a little bit about your experience at Hard Rock Park. Sure. So I oversaw the games and then the retail and games warehouse when I was there. I had just finished my time at in California working at Paramount and it was right when Cedar Fair had bought Paramount, but I also was kind of having a what else am I supposed to do with my life moment too because I was in my late 20s and all I had done was worked in theme parks. So I actually took actually left great America to go find myself, quote unquote, <laughs> moved to Oregon and lived with some friends up in Oregon for a little bit. And then some of my former coworkers from Paramount had started getting jobs at Hard Rock Park. Um, and my former boss was one of them. And so he called me up and asked me if I'd be interested in coming out. And by that point, I had realized that I desperately missed the theme park industry and it is absolutely where I should be. And so I was like, yes, please. We'll happily move to Myrtle Beach and work with you at this beautiful new park that is being built. Um, so I started in August of 2007. The The park was pretty much well underway by that point. Um, 
you know, it was exciting to come in and see them building everything from the ground up and seeing the process and how it worked and, and being a part of those creative discussions, um, building a employee handbook from scratch and trying to figure out how that all worked. Um, there were some of us who were kind of teaching some other folks what it meant to run a theme park because you had this mix of people. They hired a lot of operators who had bet, had theme park, you know, backgrounds, but then they'd also brought in some folks who were more on the creative or the licensing or the um, or just, you know, we're local to the area kind of thing. And so, you know, our experience of how we had seen theme parks run for 10, 15 years combined with their local knowledge or creativity kind of brought together this cool process to create what the employee experience would be like at the park. And that experience for me is actually, I'd been an operator for all of that time before, um, that's what led me into human resources was kind of going through that process. So not long after Hard Rock Park opened, I went back to school to get my MBA with a focus in HR. Um, and then I, so kind of combining things together after Hard Rock closed, that's when I went up to Six Flags, late the Great Escape um, and finished school there. And once I was finished with school, started kind of putting it out to people that, Hey, I was looking for a job in HR and that's how I got the job in Denver was it was an HR director position that I took. But going back to Hard Rock, it was heartbreaking when the park couldn't make it. It was beautiful, so well built, state of the art, um, really amazing. But the challenges that we faced with how to get the guests in the doors at the price that they needed them to come in the doors at to pay back all of the people who had invested into the park. It was really, really challenging. And I think if they had had an opportunity to kind of slowly build that up a little bit more and not need to make those returns on investment so fast, the park could have had some sustainability, but, um, you know, they really had high hopes for it. And then opening it in the middle of a recession was not good. So it was super sad when it closed. Yeah. I had, I had the time of my life. Like, you know, you brought all of these different attractions, professionals from all across the United States into this one place, all working together. Like what a crazy coming together of different ideas and different styles and different concepts um, to put into the operation of the park. I thought, I thought the park was one of the best operators that I've ever worked at too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I totally kind of made the same observation of people came from Paramount and, and Cedar Fair and from Bush Entertainment at the mm -hmm. time and, uh, and from Universal and being able to, to collaborate and kind of join forces and, and being able to kind of take the, the best of all those SOPs and really build them into one. Uh, you know, you said it was, you know, it was a great summer, you wouldn't trade it for anything kind of uh, the time since then. Uh, what have you been able to kind of look back on and you said this is where you really developed your passion for hr so can you talk about kind of how it influenced uh really what you're doing today and being able to kind of really pull some lessons from it uh that you've been able to to influence and, and weave into uh your your leadership style sure that's actually a great question so you know in the early parts of my career i knew that people were key because that's how you got stuff done um, and Paramount had a pretty good structure set up for, you know, what the employee experience would look like. 
Um, and just all of those things that you maybe don't think about that go along with it that just are normal or standard. And then you walk into this environment where everything is new and you have to, to build it from the ground up. And it made me realize how important that structure of the employee experience is. What kind of training are they getting? How do they know what the boundaries are or the guidelines are that they need to be working within? Um, how do you make sure that they get the training they, they need to feel supported to do the job that they want to do? Um, looking back on that and knowing that we didn't have a template to work off of really kind of instilled in me why it's so important to invest that time. You know, I always, I mean, I, I hate to say this, but, you know, for years before I had just seen HR as a nuisance, like they didn't want to let me do what I wanted to do. Um, and I really started to gain some respect for the work that goes into the stuff that they do and why it's so important because we almost take it, we almost take it for granted. Um, the things that they do for us, benefits packages and 401ks and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so every time I think about an employee experience or I think about, you know, the employee life cycle, I go back to that time where it was like we had nothing to start with and then we had to build it from the ground up. And I look at it now to say, how is it evolving? How is it changing? You know, that was back in 2007. So a generation ago, um, we have, you know, a whole new group of kids that are coming into work at the parks now will have different expectations, different lifestyles, different things that they want out of their working experience than people might have wanted in 2007 or even in, you know, 1994 when I started at the park. Um, so we have to continually be looking at how does that work best for the people who want to come and work at the park? What are the things that they need? What are they looking to get out of it? And how do we make that happen for them? Sarah, if we could kind of nerd out on HR just for a second, um, sure. well, maybe longer than that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you mentioned how, you know, so many of the functions of HR are benefits and, you know, you know, the, the sort of the, for lack of a better term, the hard side of HR, right? Where you've got all these, these processes that HR has to be responsible for, human resources has to be responsible for. Um, but then even looking at your title, uh, your previous title at Hershen, which is talent management. So there's obviously the people side, and then there's all those support mechanisms that are there for the people. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of the difference of those two? I don't know if it's philosophies or whatever, because I've even seen like within larger companies, those two parts of HR almost like, you know, coming to blows because, you know, there's, there's different, different ways to approach things. So can you talk a little bit about kind of those couple of different sides of HR? Sure. So, you know, they're, they are separate, but they also have to come together um, in some way, shape or form, you know, that you kind of can look at it as like almost like the legal side of HR, you know, those things that you have to do or the things that you need to do or compliance side of HR, let's say not necessarily legal, but the compliance side of HR, the things that need to get done, you know, for the employees, for the guests, you know, for whomever is kind of coming through that process. Um, and there's a lot of structure to that. And then on the talent management side of things, it's, it's how do we grow that employee to where they want to go. Um, and, you know, the recruitment side, the, the compliance side of HR, you know, they're constantly trying to fill that funnel for us to keep the employees coming in. And then there's this whole process that's up to the rest of us to keep them, you know, make the experience enjoyable, retain that person, maybe help them build a career, or maybe if they're not building a career in a theme park, help them build for whatever career that they're going to, they're going to move into. And in this industry specifically, where we hire so many 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds, some walk in saying, I know exactly what I want, what I want to do with the rest of my life. And some walk in going, I'm just here to get a paycheck. 
but then they really start to enjoy it. They find out that they're good at interacting with guests or they're a great on the grill and making hamburgers or, you know, they can kind of see things as they're happening and know how to move the parts around. And then all of a sudden you've got this person who's like, I really like this. This is something that I want to do for a long time. Well, you're in a great industry where at 16 years old or 18 years old, you can be in a supervisor position. And at 20, you can be in an area manager position and you've gotten all of this experience. You know, I used to joke around when I was a supervisor seasonally at Kings Island, who lets me manage a million dollar business? Like that's, I am 18 years old, but you know, they had the faith in me to, you know, say she can do this. And they started, you know, teaching me the things that went all around. And I didn't know everything. Obviously I wasn't managed the whole thing. Um, but my little part of it that I was managing, I got so much great experience and I really liked it. And that's obviously what catapulted me here. So, you know, that talent management piece is going to be the long-term retaining of the employees to keep on building the businesses that we are all working in. And you've got to have an easy application system. You've got to have a convenient way for an employee to make changes to their address or change their benefits or change their um, W-2 withholdings or whatever it is, because it all connects together. Like if I, I, I love the park and I love what I'm doing and I love the work, but this other part is complicated or cumbersome or not easy for me to navigate, that's a reason that somebody might leave a job because there's better, faster, smarter somewhere else. So that's kind of my take on how they're different, but come together. Yeah. I, so from the, the talent management side of it, I, you know, there's one thing you, you mentioned that was really fascinating. You said some people come in, they know exactly what they want to do with their life. There's some people that come in, they want a summer job and whether you're helping to develop them with their career, with the organization or helping them to, because they're 14 or 15, 16 years old, develop their career wherever they go. On one hand, that would reflect very positively on you know on you on the organization that's developing their career. They can always look back on that time. Uh, while at the same time, I, I've got to imagine there might be a little element of of being selfish and saying I, I want I want to keep you, I want to develop you within the organization because. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we're going to need a general manager. We're going to need directors and, and VPs and all that. So curious as far as where that where that balances, uh, whereas you know a 14 year old coming in today, maybe maybe they are the the GM 30, 40 years from now. Absolutely. So in some instances, you just have to be okay knowing that you might have developed a person to go take their talent someplace else. Um, but I don't think that it should stop us from developing people in the moment. And, you know, and with where we are right now in the world, you know, people are kind of going into things with way more plans than maybe I did 20 years ago, 25 years ago. So they're already thinking about what college they're going to go to, what their postgraduate school is going to look like, how they're going to get that next job that they want to get. They're already thinking about those things. Um, so growth in a job or development in a job is super important. So, you know, in order for me to be successful in this moment, instilling, the, you know, those skills and abilities into someone is going to benefit the work that I'm doing right now. And if they love it and they want to keep on doing it, I'll keep building with them and I'll keep growing with them. Um, but if they're like, this was great, thanks for the experience. I'm going to move on to something else that re it really is okay too. Um, because they benefited us in a time that we needed them to, you know, whether it was a year, two years, three years, or even six months. Um, and 
maybe they taught somebody else or maybe they inspired somebody else to stay in the industry longer than they might've as well. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta, yes, it, yes, there is a selfishness that's like, I want everyone to stay, but at the same time too, I've got 200 supervisors. I've got 50 area managers. I've got 60 full-time employees. I've got me. So at some point people have to fall off <laughs> to get to my job. Yeah, yeah, it's not realistic for everybody to stay, right? Or, you know, with the with the um number of different chains that are out there, Hershen being one of them, Cedar Fair, mm-hmm. Six Flags, they could go to another park if they really found that that's something they love. There's an opportunity there. There absolutely is. And I and I mean, I am a I don't know, I don't know, rare or weird, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> you know, I've worked for four different theme park companies in my career. Not a lot of people do that, but I have taken something away from each one of those experiences, each of the different places that I've worked at. Some things are similar, some things are totally different, but it's kind of helped. It's definitely helping me in this job, especially because Hershen bought this park. And so it was, you know, run as Kentucky Kingdom for X number of years. And now we're running it as a Hershen park. So you know, my team all knows the way that it was run as Kentucky Kingdom. And so I have to adjust myself to be like, okay, so this is how we ran it as Kentucky Kingdom, but here are the parts of Hershen that we're going to start layering in. And how do you manage those changes for folks who've only known the way that they've done it for eight years? Well, I've seen it four different ways at, you know, 10 different parks. So I'm pretty flexible when it comes to making those adjustments. And I think that that's helping the team a lot. Yeah. I would love to talk even more about that. If if you can share kind of what it's been like being able to really infuse the Hershen brand into Kentucky Kingdom and how the last what about year and a half or so has uh, has been from that standpoint. Sure. So last year was really just catch as catch can. The the way that the sale worked out, um, the sale didn't close until March of 2021, and then the park was slated to open in May of 2021. So a two month lead up to say here's everything Hershend was not necessarily in the cards. Um, even Hershend. They had had a thought of how they were going to run the park and then things kind of changed for them as well, too. So Craig Ross was actually a part of the initial sale. He was here for all of the negotiations and all that kind of stuff. And he was actually going to run the park um, for Hershen for a period of time. Well, then the Vancouver Aquarium opportunity kind of popped up in and amongst the finishing of the sale of Kentucky Kingdom. And so Craig was having to put a lot of his focus into that acquisition and everything that went along with it. And so he wasn't getting to focus on the day-to-day at the park as much as he wanted to. And so that's when they kind of went out looking for a general manager for the park. And funnily enough, I like to tell this story. Um, In my job as talent management director, I also recruited for like senior level positions in the park. So they bring me the job description for the general manager at Kentucky Kingdom. And I was like, I'm going to give this back to you because I cannot recruit for it because I'm going to apply for it. <laughs> and they were like, okay, then we like, we like this plan. We're okay with it. Um, I like, obviously I grew up in Cincinnati. So the fact that this park was two hours away from Cincinnati was a a big selling point for me. And when we bought it, I was like, well, maybe in like five years, that could be a thing. And then when the opportunity came up, I was like, I can't pass this up. And I have said that dozens of times in my career and it's worked out well for me every time. So no different scenario here now in Kentucky kingdom. But anyways, back to your question. Um, So 
with all of that transition, Craig was here two months to get open. I started in June. We really just kind of took 2021 to see what it was like to operate this park. You know, um, you know, Kentucky Kingdom had had their ways way of doing things. Hershen had ways that they'd like to integrate in. Um, what does the what does the old management style look like? How is that going to layer into what we want to do as Hershen? So we really just spent 2021 watching, you know, understanding, getting to know the guest, getting to know the team, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so in the fall last year, we kind of started planning for the 2022 season. And one of the biggest things that we wanted to implement into the park is that mission of Hershen Family Entertainment, which is to create memories worth repeating. Um, so we had we had gone ahead and launched an NPS survey last year throughout the season and, and got some great feedback from the guests and really dove in and look at, looked at those to say, okay, what is the guest looking for from us? One of the biggest challenges we faced in 2021 was staffing. We were woefully understaffed almost all of 2021 and the guests told us how they felt about it. Um, so one of our approaches going into 2022 was to be a, very aggressive in terms of how to recruit and retain employees. So we raised our base pay rate from $10 an hour to $14 an hour. So we started anybody 16 plus at $14 an hour in 2022. On top of that, we launched the tuition program that Hershen introduced in February as well. And so we have been fantastically staffed all of 2022, especially as compared to 2021. And between that and focusing on that concept of creating memories worth repeating, um, you know, taking that time to really get to know the guest, understand what they're looking for, um, showing our employees how to interact on that very like one-to-one frontline level. Um, our NPS scores from 2021 to 2022 have increased by 35%. So we're really excited about that difference that we're making in the guest experience and kind of building on that. And I, and I, you guys may have heard too, we implemented a chaperone policy last year, um, <clears throat> really wanted to make sure that the guests felt like this was a clean, safe, fun environment that they could come with their families. So the chaperone policy has been instrumental in that this year towards the end of 2021 and going into this year as well um our google reviews you know that just the looking at those on a daily basis like very very positive remarks and positive comments about the way that they felt about the park the experience that they had so um that guest experience mixed in with that employee experience has really been where we have focused on um our efforts as a Hershen property and then more to come kind of in 23 and 24 as well yeah, so great to hear those scores and the, and the reviews are, are so positive for you. Um, I know Josh and I talked about my my coaster trip and, you know, certainly stopping at Kentucky Kingdom mm -hmm. was, was part of that. And we got to have lunch and what a great lunch uh, that we had. Um, but I'd love to dive in a little deeper uh, into what you were saying about, you know, you raised the wage, you implemented the, the tuition program. Um, but as you've said before, you know, it's not just about getting them in, you got to retain them. So mm -hmm. what have you done, um, if we could dive into that to kind of help retain the people that you did get into the door? Sure. So what, so the biggest thing I would say that we did, um, have you guys, you guys have heard that Hershen uses a program called Leading with Love for mm -hmm. their supervisors. So we put all of our seasonal leaders through Leading with Love training at the beginning of the year. We really wanted them to understand what it meant to be a patient, kind, truthful, trusting, humble, forgiving, dedicated leader. Um, and that was huge. The, the way that the team walked away from that saying, 
what what a way to be treated as an individual or what a way to be treated as an employee was just astounding. So, you know, having that at their core was the most important. Now we're going to face the same problems that everybody faces, everyone else, everywhere else. It's hot. I work outside all day. The grease pops up on me from the fryer. Like, you know, my supervisor got my break late, like all of those different things. But if the supervisors know how to react to those ways, to those things in a compassionate way, that just really helps the employee experience. So that was the biggest thing that we've done. And throughout the course of the summer, you know, we've kind of reinstilled or or reaffirmed that with the supervisors as well um, to not lose sight of what it means to, to lead with love. Awesome. Um, and then beyond that too, you know, we try and do, you know, fun stuff for the team as well. You know, after, after work parties, you know, treats on like Fridays and Saturdays, it was brutally hot this summer in June is when the like 95 and 100 degree temperature started, which was completely different from where it was last year. So all the, almost the second half of June and all of July was just unbearably hot. And I was just really impressed with how our team members hung through. Um, and I think that that came from their supervisors and their managers, just really having that caring mentality to rotate them as much as they could, making sure that they had water or Gatorade or whatever it was that they, that they needed, you know, trying to find ways to, you know, shift where they were working to maybe keep them out of the sun a little bit more than they needed to. And it just, it was really awesome to see and kind of watch it from my position because, you know, they're doing it because they, it feels like the right thing to do. And it's amazing to watch them coordinate it because it's, it's, you know, maybe another 15, 20, 30 minutes of their day that they're having to change something up from their normal schedule, but they're doing it to take care of their employees. Hmm. How much of that is uh, philosophy compared to tactical? Because when you talk about, you know, those, those 95 degree, hundred degree days or so, and they're just automatically getting water uh, that perhaps sounds like if the the leading with love mentality philosophy when that resonates that probably a lot of those tactical elements just fall into place much more naturally versus saying hey when it's 95 degrees i make sure to get your team members water that that would just be intuitive you know yeah that's a good way to say it josh um i i you know i, I it always comes back to how do you take care of others you know or the golden rule you know do unto others as you'd have done to you kind of thing um and i think that you know, some of those tactical things like that I need a restroom break or that I, you know, just need to get off my feet for 20 minutes. Um, it, it comes more natural to them when they're thinking about it in the sense of how, like, how would I want to be taken care of? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think I remember asking you this question when we had lunch a couple of months ago, but I'd love to hear, you know, kind of expand on a little bit because a lot of the people that we see that get into GM positions, CEO positions, they come from, you know, specifically marketing, you know, mm. finance, that kind of thing. Um, and thankfully you come from the, the people side of the business. You come from, from, from HR and talent management. So can you talk a little bit about how it's been for you to get to the, the, the GM position with your kind of people background? Sure. So let's not forget that I was an operator for the first 15 years of my career. And then the last Absolutely. 10, I was in HR. Um, but I have always been naturally inquisitive. And so you could also say that I was nosy. Um, and I always, you know, was asking, what are you doing over here? How does this work? Why are we doing it this way? 
Um, and even in HR, I never walked away from the operation. Probably about a year into my time as an HR director, I really realized how beneficial it was that I had had the operating experience because I, it, I, I felt like personally it was making me a better partner to my counterparts in operations, marketing, all of that kind of stuff, because I had experienced it and seen it in the ways that they were kind of experiencing it in that moment. And so my advice or my feedback or my you know, direction was coming from a place of understanding. Um, but I always, like, I always wanted to know how the pieces came together. So just because I was overseeing HR didn't mean that I didn't care about how we were performing attendance wise or how we were doing in terms of EBITDA and on our expense management. And so, um, I always continually watch those things. And then um, I had an opportunity when I worked at the aquarium in New Jersey as a part of Hershen. I was over HR and operations for a little while too. The, the operations director left and I just kind of sl sl slotted in to help out because I had had that operations background. Um, but you know, I would not say in the past 10 years or now 12 years probably um, that I ever really walked away from the operation. So um, there are a ton of things that I am learning about marketing and finance right now, though, <laughs> in my first year and a half of this job. Um, so that's been interesting. And I've got a lot of great mentors that I work with, too. Um, you know, the, one of the cool parts about working for a bigger company is that you have all of these different people that you can look to. So I can call Molly at Adventure Aquarium and say, hey, can you help me out with this? I'm, I've run into this problem. I run into this issue. Have you seen this before? Do you, you know, what, what is something that you might've done? Um, my boss, Craig is a great resource too. He's been in the industry for, you know, over 40 years and he knows everything. So <laughs> any question that I have, I can call him up and he helps me through it. And I really do like the way that our company is set up as well in terms of our corporate office. We call it the property support center. So we have subject matter experts in revenue, marketing, information technology, um, safety attractions and maintenance. So I can go to any of those division leaders as well and work through a question or work through a problem or even work through an idea. You know, we're you know, we're still figuring out the market here in Kentucky Kingdom and, and what's the right fit, what's the right guest mix, all that kind of stuff. So I've had numerous conversations with our marketing group at the PSC to say, okay, you know, what's our right pricing for season pass? What what are what styles of season pass do we have? Last year we just had one season pass. This year we introduced a tiered season pass and it's been really successful. So having all of those folks to kind of talk through things and I and I would say if anybody's like, I want to be a GM one day, those are the things you need to go and do. Like, don't wait for somebody to come you to come to you and ask the question. If you got the question, go and ask it, get somebody's perspective, see what they think so that you can layer that into the other perspectives that you have to make the decision that's best for you or for whatever it is that you're running. Yeah. I uh, appreciate that. That's uh, very good advice. Thanks so much for, for sharing that. Um, Sarah, one of the things that I, we're curious about too is, I guess very much from the from the HR, from the talent management side of it, uh, is just the, you know, the last few years, uh, just, you know, you talk about uh, last year being, you know, being short-staffed and kind of those things. Just curious as far as how Hershend has really stayed ahead of the labor challenges and, and just staffing shortages brought on by the pandemic. Yeah. Well, you know, we've always been a company that will change with the time. So 
I, all of the properties, you know, we all, we all get to, we all get to independently make decisions when it comes to hiring and staffing and even some operational things. Um, so in each of our markets, we were able to make the decision of what makes the most sense from a starting pay rate standpoint. So it's not across the board at Hershen, everyone makes the same amount because my market is different from Silver Dollar City's market, which is different from um, Wild Adventures market. And so what might be necessary to, you know, recruit or engage with employees here could be different someplace else. Um, the tuition program is huge though, you know, kind of, kind of layering that into this age group that we work mostly with and kind of how they're thinking about the future. And everyone's trying to figure out how they're going to pay for college. The fact on day one that you start with us, your college can be paid for is amazing. I wish I, I wish I had that when I was starting out too. Um, and I, and I think that that, is a testament to the way that we as an employer group are going to treat our employees. You know, we care about you because we need you for sure to help us, you know, achieve our goals as a business, but that doesn't separate us from you as an individual and what your goals are and what you want to accomplish and how, where you see your life going because we all spend the majority of our lives at work. So being able to help people figure out how they can make those things outside of work more manageable or, you know, just better prepared for them, I think is kind of our secret sauce. And again, it goes back to leading with love and just, you know, caring about the people on an individual level, caring about them personally um, and helping them achieve their goals inside work and outside of work. Yeah. You know, Sarah, kind of along that line of, of of kind of helping people develop you've obviously been telling us about you know your different places you've worked in your career and how you've you've spanned like a hundred different parks and you know all that kind of fun stuff um but i'm i'm curious um because you also said i i if i remember correctly that you felt like it made you a better person right to to have all those different experiences and i'm curious how you translate that into leading other people to get them to to experience new things when someone may be like, well, I like operations and I'm going to stay here and this is going to be my career. And even to your point just now, where, as you talked about being a GM, like asking all those questions in the different areas, if you really want to get into that type of role. So maybe it's about inspiring people to try new things. I'm just curious, like what your, what your approach might be to help people see that it's okay to take another job or to do something different. Sure. Well, I mean, I, I think it really depends on the individual. You know, you hear people say a lot, well, I would move to that other place for the right job. Well, what what does that right job look like to you? Like, what will that job entail? What will that job incorporate? What will that help you do? And I think that a person really has to define that for themselves before they're ready to make that jump. Because I like moving across country or even moving to a different state, it's not easy. You have to have the right mental state to be able to do it because you're moving to a place where you don't know anyone. All of your friends and family are someplace else. Um, you got to be willing to put yourself out there. You got to be, you got to be willing to deal, deal with the DMV, like all of that stuff. So, you know, I think that you really have to make sure that that it is really and truly what that person wants to start off with. Um, it takes all kind to make all kinds to make the world go round. Um, 
and you know, kind of your example of the, a person saying like operations is the thing I know, it's the thing I want to do, it's the thing I'm going to do for and ever and ever. We love those people too because that's your consistency, that's your stability. Um, you guys have heard of the nine box where kind of like um, high performance, high potential, medium performance, high potential. So if all of your people are in the high performance, high potential box in a nine box, none of them are going to like their jobs because they're too busy competing with one another to try and be the next GM or try and be the next CEO or whatever it is that they're trying to compete. But if your team is kind of spread, you know, some people look at that bottom right-hand box, which is the high performance at potential box. And they're like, that's a death sentence. I don't want to be in that box. Nope. That's the box where someone has realized that they have done everything that they want to do in their career and they're having a good time doing it. And they continually continually bring results to the table. And then they're mentoring people who want to move into other roles. So you got to have a mix of people. But if somebody's like, I want to be a GM, but I only want to do operations, like there's a disconnect there. You don't just do operations as a general manager. You, you've got to have a little bit of knowledge of it all. So if that person isn't willing to go out and learn something different or try something different, the general manager role is probably not going to be the one for them. And you have to be prepared to have that conversation with them too. More often than not, you know, we'll let that piece of it go and not have those truthful conversations to say, if you're going to limit yourself, if you're going to box yourself into this one thing, but in 10 years, you're going to expect that I'm going to make you the general manager, that's not going to happen. And let, and I want to be the one to give you that reality. But if you spend the next 10 years learning a little bit more about marketing, learning a little bit more about finance, understanding how the maintenance division works that's going to help you set yourself up to be in that general manager position. So if nobody had that conversation with somebody 10 years before, and they're like, I've been doing this for 10 years and I want to be the general manager. That's not fair to that person either. Did I answer your question? I like, poof. <laughs> Absolutely. Good. So one of the other things that uh, we're curious about too is, and, and we've heard that the phrase in, in the news over the last several months and probably close to a year or so at, at this point is is about the great resignation and it, particularly in our industry we're not really best known for offering the the best flexibility and mm -hmm. there's just a lot of employers right now offering work from home work from anywhere mm -hmm. and very flexible scheduling uh, just a, a lot of the things that uh, that our industry just isn't necessarily able to offer when mm -hmm. we need you here from these hours on location. So curious as far as uh, maybe just what you have seen or even even guidance to offer as far as how the industry is really able to combat this. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a challenge that we're going to face for a long time. That being said, I still think that there are the core of us who have these have theme parks in our blood who love doing it day in and day out. I mean, I was working in a job that I could have worked from home and I missed the park so much that I was like, I'm going to leave this work from home situation and I'm going to go back out into the park. So I do think that that core will always continue to exist, but I do think that we have to be mindful of 
how talent will react to certain situations and and what they may want to do. So I think, Josh, that we are going to have to get better at being able to help people people find that balance um, in a way that's going to be meaningful for them. And it may be, it might, and it might not be an across the board thing. It might be an individual situation where, you know, somebody wants to work one day from home and four days in the office or whatever. I think the flexibility that we could offer to people would be important, but there are still, I mean, not everyone wants a Monday through Friday, nine to five job as well too. So I think it's about cultivating that talent where it fits for us too. Well, and Sarah, you mentioned the word that I was going to bring up, which is flexibility, right? You know, no, you can't run a ride from home, right? Mm -hmm. But if that person needs a flexible schedule to Mm -hmm. take their child to daycare or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, I think we're seeing more and more people that are open to more of that kind of flexibility. Um, you know, not to do the, uh, you know, when I was a kid kind of thing, but you know, when I started, it was six days open to close mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's just what you did. Yeah. Um, and so there's people with that mentality. They're like, well, now I got to hire, you know, double the amount of people. Cause they only want to work part time. Okay. Yeah. So what yeah. do it. <laughs> you know. So I think flexibility is key there too. Yeah. That, and that's Matt, that's how I feel about it as well. Um, you know, we hired probably 300 more employees this year than we did last year. And at some point somebody was like, is that too many? And I'm like, no, because you're going to have team members who only want to work 10 or 15 hours a week. You will have team members who want to work 40, 45 hours a week too. balance those two things out for them. And, you know, and we have to then figure out when it, you know, how it impacts our EBITDA, how it impacts our labor dollars. Um, But the only way that we're going to be successful is to have staff. So we got to figure it out. Yeah. And then the challenge there is, let's say, overcompensating for being understaffed, and now try to be overstaffed to be more flexible. So it is, it's probably just the a little little bit of a two way conundrum there. Yeah. So, so Hershen uses the shareholder triangle. So it's financial stewardship, guest relations or guest experience, and the employee experience. And you know, we say that each of those points on the triangle are equal, um, and the bands that hold them together is what leading with love is. So sometimes you stretch over here a little bit to the employee side, but then it bounces back to the middle. And sometimes you stretch over here to the guest side and then it bounces back to the middle. And sometimes you go up to the financial side and then it bounces back to the middle. So, but we always keep those three pieces at the core of what we're doing um, and try and balance them as best as we possibly can. Yeah, at Universal, we kind of had that same thing, but we called it the three-legged stool. Right. And so you'd say if one of those is out of balance, the whole thing is going to fall apart. You know what I mean? So you've got to keep those in balance. But to your point, you know, you can you can tip a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes that your your guest experience is going to cost a little more than you thought it was and 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 so on. Um, But if you keep those in balance, that's really what keeps the, the, the business going forward. You know, so you can't pay your you know, every single team member, a hundred dollars an hour, mm-hmm. you know, because that, that would totally tip the the scale out of whack. So, right. um, but I, I, I haven't heard it explained the way you explained it, which I like that way as well. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd like to kind of um, maybe explore just for a minute. You said that, that the theme park industry is in your blood. And I yeah. think Josh and I would both say the same thing. How did you know, what was that moment that you Ooh. realized that, this is it. <laughs> this is so this is funny. Um, my freshman year of college, 
I went away to school. I, I went to school in Bowling Green from Cincinnati and I was there for a semester and I came back at, at Christmas break and, you know, really missed my friends that I had worked with at the park and just couldn't like, which is so crazy, the 900 million places that I've moved since then. But I was like, I was homesick and I was ready to come home. And so I didn't actually go back to school my second semester. I stayed local in Cincinnati and, and started working at the park more um, and realized how much I loved being at the park, how much I enjoyed the cycle of setup, operation, tear down, off season and, and back to it. Um, so yeah, I would say it was when I had to walk away from it and like, couldn't come back and work weekends and stuff like that, that first, um, year of college was when I was like, yeah, this is, this is supposed to be for me. And then there was the secondary in my late twenties when I was like, well, I really should see if I want to do something else. And that only lasted six months. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Sarah, this has been such a fascinating conversation. Uh, as we start to wind this down, if people want to uh, get a hold of you, if they want to learn more about Kentucky Kingdom, where would you send them? So KentuckyKingdom.com is a great resource for all things Kentucky Kingdom. Um, we are getting ready to kick off our Pumpkins at Kentucky Kingdom event this fall. So we're really excited for that. Um first family-friendly fall event here at Kentucky Kingdom. So we're really, really excited. And then I am on LinkedIn and happy to connect with anyone, Sarah Worrell. Um, and, you know, I, I love interacting with people in the industry and even outside of the industry too. Um, you know, my my entire goal, especially as the talent develop, talent development director, is just like, what's going to help make people better? What are, what are your goals and what do you want to do to accomplish them? And, you know, whether it's sharing a story or asking a question, I really enjoy connecting with people on that level. So happy to connect with anyone. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm sure you'll get some connections uh, out of this as well. Uh, so Sarah, this has been a great conversation. Thank you again for your time. And for everybody who's out there watching and listening, just remember, we are all attraction pros. Thanks for listening to the Attraction Pros podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you can tune in when new episodes release. And even better, please leave us a review on iTunes. For more information, visit attractionpros.com.